base. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. and truckers around the globe. It is Thursday, June 15th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. That means we will be live with you for the next two hours. So you can let your fingers do the walking and call Truck Talk in right now at 646-668-2433. And we would love to hear from you. You may have noticed at the top of the show, rather than playing our our usual trick talking theme, that we had the Strange New World intro. And that's because tonight's show is not a Star Trek Strange New World episode review, in a manner of speaking. Uh, this is a special edition of Book Nook. And usually on Book Nook, we're on Monday for an hour, and we talk about a Star Trek book tonight. We're going to talk about Strange New World. The High Country by John Jackson Miller. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I know that right now, Strange New World, The Broken Circle is premiering on Paramount+. Plus. I get that. We will talk about that episode next week. We're a week behind, and we do that because a lot of you guys listen to our podcast not on the day we broadcast, and we don't want to have any spoilers for you guys. So we're, we're a week behind. So when you want to talk about tonight's episode, the premiere of Strange New World, you want to tune in next Thursday. And speaking of Strange New World, I have in my hands uh, a copy of Strange New World on Blu-ray that I'd love to give away to you guys as a way of celebrating Season 2. And all you have to do, well, there's a couple of things you can do. If you're listening live, you can call us right now at 646-668-2433, and I will drop it in the mail to you. Or or you can visit our page, trektalking.com, and in the bottom you'll see a talkback mic. And all you have to do is click on that little mic and record a message telling us why you want 
Strange New Worlds Season 1 on Blu-ray. And if you do that, I will send it to you as well. Unfortunately, or fortunately, you want to be clever because anyone that leaves a recording on our page, I will play that on the next podcast. So make it clever, make it snappy, make it smart, make it witty, and you can win a copy of Strange New Worlds on Blu-ray Season 1. So that's what's going on tonight. Before we get too far, I'd like to go around and introduce you guys to my awesome Prexpert. Uh, tonight we're only running on three burners. We're back to the original um, three musketeers tonight, but that's okay. First, we'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Been waiting to talk about this book. Went through two audiobook listens on this one. And still need to yeah. get practice on it because I've also read another Star Trek book and a couple other novels. So, but I'm looking for the chatting on this one. Yeah, we, this one we kept, I had to keep bumping it around because we had so much going on and, and I had to make room in the schedule. So we had to keep bumping yep. it around. But we finally made it and here we are. We're going to talk about it tonight. And and also, we have with us my other truck spurt, Eric, and Eric is from Portland. He's going to be filling in for the Portland contingency, who is absent tonight. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I'm doing okay, Jim. I am out of town. I am broadcasting live from uh, Wisconsin. And, uh, so if I sound a little different or a little echoey, that's why. But uh, hopefully it might... Uh, actual internet connection will be reliable tonight. We'll see. Could be exciting. Well, you sound you sound pretty good to me, so that's fine. Um, as of Excellent. as of right now, guys, we have 125,008 downloads of this podcast. So thank you so much, and 144,392 followers on our Facebook page. That is simply just amazing. I never thought. <laughs> that uh, you know we would ever get that high, but thank you, thank you so much to each and every one of you guys. Um, if you would like to be mentioned on a fan shout out, um, you want to head over to our Facebook page. And Charles, Charles, what's the easiest way for our fans to find us? Well, our real, our real true fans already have us bookmarked to be going to that spot to our page. For our other fans, they can go to trucktalking.com and click on the little Facebook link also to our page. That's right. And while you're there, use the TalkBack microphone in the bottom right-hand corner at the little blue logo and tell us why you want a copy of Strange New World Season 1 on Blu-ray. And I'll drop it in the mail and send it off to you. It's that simple. So before we get started, I do want to let you guys know of some exciting news. I was at Trek Long Island a couple of weeks ago, and I met a lot of people. One of the people that I met was Vadia Potenza. And you're thinking, Uncle Jim, who the hell is that? Well, you actually do know who he is. You just don't know that you know. Uh, Vadia actually played the 13-year-old Spock in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, and uh, he got the Ponfar with Robin Curtis's Savick on the ice planet. And he's going to be joining us live on the 26th, which is a Monday, to talk about his experience on the movie, working with Leonard Nimoy, working with Robin Curtis, 
being cast in his first movie and what he's up to today. And I spent quite a bit of time talking with him at Trek Long Island. He's really fascinating. Um, He wasn't aware of this huge following that Star Trek has. In fact, that was his first Star Trek convention. So uh, let's show him some love and treat him right and show him what Star Trek fans are all about. That'll be Monday the 26th. So give us a call and have some questions ready for him. Let's make him feel really welcome here on Trek Talking. Also, one more thing I want to mention before we dive into our topic of the night, which is book review. Starting next week, for the next 10 consecutive weeks, we will be reviewing Star Trek Strange New Worlds episodes. As I said earlier, we will be an episode behind. So even though the Broken Circle is on tonight, we'll be talking about it next Thursday. And every Thursday after that, we'll talk about the episode that was on the week before. So for the next 10 weeks, we'll be talking about Strange New Worlds episodes. All right. And Jim, I will. Yeah, go ahead. I will throw I will throw in there. We don't have a date for Lower Decks, but the, every season prior to this, Strange, Lower Decks is always. I'm thinking we could go ten weeks with Strange New Worlds and then go straight from there ten straight weeks of Lower Decks. Yes, uh, and if if there's a break in there at all. Um, we have literally a dozen comic books to cover, mm. at least. Um, yeah. So yeah. if there's a break a in more there, books. yeah, we we have more than enough Star Trek material to talk about if they, if they don't start Strange New Worlds right after um, a lower decks, right after Strange New Worlds. We have a bunch of comic books. We have some new books to talk about. So there's plenty of Star Trek to keep us busy. Don't you guys worry. All right, so if you'd like to be mentioned in a fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page. Charles just told you guys how you can do that. Leave us a little message. Tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then you will be mentioned in a future fan shout-out. And, Eric, do you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs for this week? Can you hear us? Can you hear me? Can you hear it? I heard him, and then he went away. Can you hear me now? Yeah, can there you hear me he now? I, Maybe. I knew you were there. <laughs> yes. I have very, I'm in a very rural area, so I have very poor reception, and so I'm doing my best here. <laughs> but, yes, no. I would love to start our fan shout-outs. So our very first fan shout-out out to fan Leonard Cross, who sent hello to us from Porto Alegre in Brazil, all the way down in South America. Thank you. Hello, live long and prosper to you, sir. We're also saying hello this week to Jose Martin Hernandez Simital, who is saying hello to us from Tahua, Mexico, another uh, down south from where we all are uh, supporters Thank you for supporting us, right? And uh, we lost, we lost Eric, unfortunately. So I'm going to jump in and butcher the hell out of these names, guys. <laughs> Charles, you want to take them? Warm welcome to Bob Spin from the Netherlands. 
Halloween, uh, Midland Hills, Ontario, Canada. And on my list, let's, tell, let's say hello to Ista King. This is currently in, uh, in Las Vegas, originally from Queens, New York. I looked you up, Ishtar. I see one friend, Maureen, so Maureen knows me. Say we had a connection. Come join some Star Trek fans. Say a warm welcome, James, from Maine. A warm welcome to Dave Cobb, Lauren Wittemeyer-Rice, from North Carolina. We can move. Oh. What's that computer? You can't do that for Dave? Okay, I'll do Dave since you, you have issues. Uh, let's try a warm welcome to Tawan Fanhead from Indiana. Hope and Youngblood from Canyon Lake, Texas. Greetings. Welcome. Welcome to Michael J. Lacey from Michigan. Gives us to long, live long and prosper. And top fan, Fred Pinnegard. And I wish Eric was here because Eric is the universal translator. I think <laughs> well, I was with us. On this one. <laughs> I, I, oh, I, I'm trying to make Yep, he's here. He, he was. I heard him. Come on, Eric. You've got the universal translator. They can't hear me. I heard him. I heard him. I hear him. This is what happens when you do a live broadcast, guys. There's no yeah. editing. This is totally live. Um, that's what makes our podcast a little different from other ones. There's no editing. There's no smoke and mirrors. There's no tricks. It's totally live. So I heard Eric, and then I didn't hear Eric. So Okay. Um, I guess right, you know, I'm going to have to work with I guess I'm going to have to work with without the Universal Translate. Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, okay, try it, Jim. I'm, I'll give him a try here. I, 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 I got my glasses on and I got the screen blown up big enough so that I can read them. So I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> I'm not Eric and I'm not Paul, but I'm going to give it a shot. So we'd like to say hello, thank you, and kapla to Soner Bakausevich from Brazil, Mato Grosso, the Mato Grosso State. Lucas from Rio Verdo town, and he gave us the coordinates of where he lives, which I'm not going to give out over the air. But thank you for listening, and we appreciate it. I also want to say thank you and kapla to uh, top fan uh, Klaus Becker, and I think we have Eric. Eric, are you? Can you hear us? Well, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I can hear you loud and clear. So guys, I am in the middle of rural. Well, I'm in the middle of rural Wisconsin, and I have bad reception, so I had to go outside. I'm now sitting outside, so if you hear a little breeze, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to finish up the uh, uh, Paul's uh, fan shoutouts before I torture them all to death? (laughs) Well, I'll do my best here. Absolutely. So, have we already said hello to Sonier? Yeah. We okay. tried. Well, yeah, yeah. we did our best. <laughs> so, uh, Sonir Baskovich, if uh, if we massacred your name before, hopefully I did a better job. Thanks for saying hi to us from Brazil. Also, hello to top fan Klaus Becker, 
who's saying hello to us from Karlsruhe, Germany. Uh, top fan status means that you interact with us a ton on our Facebook page, and we always appreciate that about our fans. So thank you, Klaus, for listening to us. Also saying hello this week to Anders Olsen, who's saying hello to us from Småland, Sweden. Anders, I would love to go to Sweden. I've got people from that part of the world, and I would love to go visit the motherland one of these days. I do plan to. Thank you so much, Anders, for saying hello to us. And my final fan shout-out goes out to Vincent Coleman, who's saying hello to us from Belgian Blockenburg. Blockenburg in Belgium. That's right, Vincent. Thanks for saying hi to us, and live long and prosper to you, sir. Jim, who'd you like to say hello to? Well, I've got a couple on my list, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time to say hello to us on our Facebook page. It means so much to us. I like to say thank you and kapla to Malika Jones, who's listening to us in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. I want to say thank you to Jennifer Evans Ragland, who's listening to us in Clarksland, Tennessee. I want to say thank you and kapla to Donnie White, Who's listening to us in Alamo, Georgia? Did not know the Alamo was in Georgia. I would have said Texas, but that's pretty cool that there's an Alamo in Georgia. Thank you so much to Donnie White for listening to us in Alamo, Georgia. And last but definitely not least, we want to say kapla and live long and prosper to Judy Stansfield, who's listening to us in Connecticut. And that wraps up our fan shout-out. Uh, for this show, guys, but we do them every week. Head over to our Facebook page, and you can be featured on a future fan shout-out. We're going to talk about Strange New Worlds, The High Country by John Jackson Miller, which was released on February 21st, 2023. And all right, who wants to read the description of the book? <laughs> Go for it, Charles. Since I take it in there, so I'll go for it. Okay, got this from the publishing site. Simon and Schuster. When experiment took fail, Captain Christopher Pike's Texas mechanical malfunction only discovered the very principle in which Charlie Baden scatters their party across the strangest new world they've ever encountered. <clears throat> First officer Una finds herself fighting to survive an untamed wilderness where dangers lurk at every turn. Young cadet Neota Uhura struggles in a volcanic wasteland where things are not as they seem. Science officer Spock is missing altogether. And Pike gets a chance to fulfill a childhood dream, to live as a cowboy in a world where the tools of the 23rd century are of no use. Even in the saddle, Pike is very much a, a starship captain with responsibilities that entail setting out to find crewmates, he encounters surprising fates from the past <clears throat> and discovers that one people's utopia might be someone else's purgatory. He must lead an exodus or risk calamity of galactic proportions that even the starship Enterprise is powerless to stop. Step a few reviews in this book on Amazon. We have a 4.3 out of 5. Goodreads gives it a 4.1 out of 5. Audible has a 4.4 out of 5. Other different uh, ratings I saw all were right around there. Well, they're very respectable. Yes. 
Very respectable. And uh, before we dive in and get too far into talking about this book, we have a caller on the line. You guys want to talk to one of our fans? Of course yeah. we do. From the Bronx? Let's see. <laughs> Let me see if I can get to my Kindle sometimes wants to be touchy. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trick Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Tough luck. You guys hear me? Hey, Ray. Hey, Ray. What's Wait, up, buddy? You guys hear me? Yep. We yes. can hear you. Yep. No, dude. I'm so, no, dude. No, 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 Yo, I don't go along with my innocence. You know, you know, so I, you know, like, I can hear you, but never, you, but not much. So you know, you know, I'll do the best I can. Mm-hmm. We, we can hear you fine now. Yep, we hear you perfectly fine, Ray. Listen, guys, I love you a minute, but if you have a little bit of time, let me tell you. Okay, okay, let me tell you what's going on. First of all, how are you guys doing? Good. You're doing pretty good. Yeah. Everybody's okay? Oh, Jim, you right? Yep. I, you know, Ray, I got to tell you a funny story. I was thinking about you. A couple of weeks ago. Thank you. We went, we went down to Trek Long Island, and on our way home, we stopped at a Five Guys. And a woman walked into Five Guys wearing a Deep Space Nine Niners baseball uniform from the episode. And... I immediately recognized her, and we started talking, and her name was Samoan, and she was from the Bronx. And I was like, wow, what are the odds of that? Ray is from the Bronx. We stop at, at five guys for dinner, and Samoan walks in, and she's from the Bronx as well. And I immediately thought of you, Ray. I said, wow, there's a lot of Star Trek fans in the Bronx. I'm telling you, guys, I'm telling you, guys, yo, I'm going to tell you. I'm not. I'm not the only one. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here. Pretty interesting. Trust me. Trust me. I'm here. But yeah. But yeah. But I mean. But let me say that. Um. Listen. And you know what? You know what? I really. You know. I really need to come down there. You know. I say. Let me say. I'm all for July and August. I really need to come down there. The video guys. The reason why. Because uh, let's say I, I got I got a, I got a lot of trivia, and believe me, okay. Number one, let me start. With, okay, okay. Um, can I show show one real quick, please? Absolutely. Okay. I will let me say. I, let me say. You know, I, I'm going to be working like next week, right? That's at school, right? So I'm not going back. I'm not going back to work, work in September. So I mean, so what happened was what I did was I have I, I, I had a little extra money, right? So I did. I went to Amazon. And I went, but for you know, for I mean, for two months. So I'm gonna give you guys first clue at day nine. We're gonna land down. Yep. All I, right. I, I, I think 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 I don't know. Yeah, I got that. Okay, number two, Little Rascals, the original ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Black and white. Yeah, black and white. Yes. Okay, that's so far. And and okay, okay, he 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 he's my last two. Now I'm going I'm going I'm going to animation right now. 
the He-Man, the He-Man, He-Man complete series, and Shoe complete series on DVD. Okay. Okay, you guys want to? Okay, you guys want to do the hands? Okay. Okay, okay, that's so far. Okay, okay, that's so far. That's so far. Yep. Okay. So anyway, guys, I'm 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 gonna do my summer thing, but do you guys see the um the summer series um last night? Yo. Mm. -mm. Really good. Good. Excellent. Good. You know what, guys? They got um they got a little bit 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 of mail (laughs) joint. But anyway, um, so anyway, um, anyway, I know, I know the day to day. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to get the um, Pam, 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 right now, my phone right now. The only thing they want to take a seat right now. Try, all right. But it's getting these hard. Mm-hmm. I am. I yeah. get you. That's cool. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm, I'm trying. Shoot. You can only do what you can do, right? Right. Sir, Uncle Jim, you know what? Why don't you? I am trying to do. I trying to do 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 what I do. Like I said, so I said, I said, I said, I said, the next couple of days, like I said, there's a great 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 for the kids, and I'm off Monday, and I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, next week it's gonna be murder. You can do it, buddy. Well. Yeah, no, 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 you gonna be we graduated all with uh to uh, tomorrow and Tuesday, you know what I'm saying? The next you know, see the next couple of days it's gonna be a mm, it's gonna be a freaking nightmare, yo. It's gonna be a nightmare. We know it's gonna be a nightmare. But I'm a I'm a bond to but I'm bond to I've been there for almost like uh eighteen or well, next next year right now. Uh let like us say I'm having the best of I can. Yeah. Well I yeah, do an I, elementary I, but I understand what it's like having to be in high school dealing with those graduates every year. No, 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 I'm not doing high school. I, I do, I do, um, um, elementary kids, elementary kids. Elementary, oh, oh, the elementary oh, kids going yeah, from fifth, fifth to sixth grade. Oh, listen, yeah. Listen, 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 I do with them. The rest of them, I can't do with them. <laughs> I, I understand, uh, too. I got a friend in middle school, and kind of right now I don't see how she does it. I tried it, but I can't do it. I can't do it. I tried it, I can't do it. All right, so guys, okay, so, okay, guys, listen. Let me try to get on this right. Uncle Jim, it doesn't... Um, the, 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 the they come again. Let me know again, okay? Let me know. You know all right, you know, all right, I'm, Ray. I'm All right, Ray. That sounds uh, really good, buddy. All right. Yeah, all right. All right. Uh, you know, so Kapla, 
I'll call you guys next week. Kapla. Take it easy, Ray. Bye, care, Ray. Kapla. All right, then. You guys take care. Live long and see you later. Bye-bye, Ray. All right, guys, that was Ray. He's calling from the Bronx, and uh, we're going to dive right into Strange New World of the High Country by John Jackson Miller. Um, Charles told you guys a little bit about what the story was, and um, I got to say, I started off reading it, and I had a little notebook. And what I was doing is I was going um, you know, uh, episode chapter by chapter, and I was going to grade each chapter. Um, as we went along uh, for various reasons um, so that I could figure out where the book went astray. But I've got to tell you, by the time I got to like the fifth or sixth chapter, I stopped keeping track of the chapters because I got so engaged in the story that I just kept going and going and going, which is a really good thing for me anyway. Oh, and the, yeah. Yep. This story occurs, and I have to go grab my strange new world from this. Um, somewhere down between the Serene Squall and the Lyrium Kingdom. But this book, the story occurs before the Lyrium Kingdom occurred. Yeah. This is yeah. Hammer, Hammer is a lot. Hammer's still around, and uh, the doctor's daughter is still in stasis. Yeah. Yeah, this, this I, you know, as soon as Pike was riding around on a horse, I, I was I was sold. I was in. Um, you know, <laughs> Pike's on his horse. I'm right into it. And from that point on, because when I started it, I got to tell you, I'm like, oh, no, we're talking about horse farmers and sheep farmers, and oh, my God, here we go. And, um, and, but, and you know what, it was all relevant to the story and it took right off for me anyways. And I really like the fact that in this particular story, they really lean very, very heavily on Star Trek history. Um, they mentioned Star Trek six and the Viridian patch that Spock slaps on Kirk's shoulder when he goes to Repente. Um, they use that same trick in this book, which I thought was a really cool shout out to Star Trek Six. And the episode of uh, the book is very, very heavily, and I mean extremely heavily, based on the uh, Enterprise episode North Star. If you guys remember that episode, that's where Captain Archer finds an old Western town way out in space, and they. Really get really heavily to how that town got there, who put them there, why they were there, and it has a lot of relevance to what's going on in this particular story, which is another really, really cool thing. And as Eric will know, the episode also features stalagmites from Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> Your favorite. Your favorite way to mispronounce a word. <laughs> I love the stalagmites. <laughs> um, for anybody who doesn't know Jim's shtick, the, uh, this is the Cyrenites, the uh, illogical Vulcans that he's talking about. Yeah, from Star Trek Enterprise. They were hanging out in the forge. Um, yeah, and so, not only does it feature that, Jim, but it also features, don't forget, they take that one step further, and eventually we see what? The Vulcan Navy. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Vulcan yeah. Navy. What? The Vulcan yeah. Navy. I thought they were from a desert planet. <laughs> wow. There's so much I don't know, I tell you. <laughs> oh, yep, the Vulcan Navy. Hey, who's that? And hey, Paul. How's yep. it going, dude? Paul made it. Going good. Late arrival. Yep, he's here, though. That's so okay, that's man. some time to talk about the stalagmite. At any rate, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this book really pulls a lot out of Star Trek and really gives you a lot of flashbacks to a lot of stuff across the Star Trek spectrum, which for me is fun because you're reading along and you're like, you get that little ping, wait a minute. Oh, I remember them. And it's kind of like watching Lower Decks and they they drop something on you, and then you're like, oh, yeah. So this, this particular book does a lot of that, which which for me is fun, and I enjoy when they do that. Several, um, several of the novels do that, and I think that's good. Good, good focus on the techies uh, that have been around a while, and they love the Yeah. So this book gives each one of the, the characters has a – moment to shine. Like Charles said earlier, Una and Ahura kind of hook up and they're doing their thing. Uh, Spock hooks up with the Vulcan Navy and he's doing his thing, his thing with the stalagmites over there. Pike is riding his horses and he runs into a familiar face from the past and he's doing his thing. And while all of this is going on, who's left in command of the Enterprise? La'an in her first command, and she's up there with Hemmer. And, of course, um, nothing is working because of what's going on on this planet. So they have to do things without technology, which is the twist in this story. And Hemmer, Yeah, in fact, Jim, it's probably... Go ahead. Yeah, Hemmer, being as brilliant as he is and being one of my favorite characters, definitely has his moments in this book to shine as well. And it is funny because when I was reading it, I was, I was reading it as Hemmer and I'm like, I'm picturing him as he is on, well, as he was on the show. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool because when I'm, when I can see the character and hear the character and I'm reading it in their voice, then I know mm-hmm. that the authors really captured the essence of the character. And Hemmer was outstanding in this book. Yes. Yeah, he was, and I think that, like you were just saying, Jim, things don't work. I think it's important to mention to people that one of the kind of like key tenets of this book is that they they get on this planet where technology doesn't work. And so literally the Enterprise can't even get close to the planet or it'll just shut the whole ship down. And so La'an has to kind of like stay out there and look at things from afar and make decisions without any communication from the actual command team, except for like one little thing that eventually happens in the book that allows a little bit of communication. But, but yeah, so it's really fun to see La'an not only taking the helm for the first time, but the enterprise itself be, kind of becomes a character that's sort of hovering around the story and only at a couple points does it actually dive in and become part of the story. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was a different 
type of a Star Trek story because we didn't have transporters, we don't have communicators, we don't have any phasers, we don't have any of the classic Star Trek tropes that could be used to get out of these situations, which made it even more interesting because they had to get out of it on their own, using their own wit. And Mm -hmm. Aurora runs into um, a character called Empy, which, if I remember, if if I'm getting this correct, is an interdimensional electrical being that is siphoning electricity out of dimension, correct? Yeah, and that's pretty much more or less true, yeah. Yeah, think of it as a a floating sentient fireball, but then eventually you kind of find out why it's there. But yeah, MP is a character that Uhura connects with, which is especially fun because she's, of course, the linguist, right? So she's the one who is unafraid of other characters, who's undaunted by trying to figure out a way to communicate with a being that doesn't speak a language, right? Uh, Just fascinating. I love their pairing in this book. It was so cool. And it's cool how Empy responds to her emotions as well, which is interesting. Yeah, and and I I mean, she names the thing Empy because the thing – immediately shows extreme em- empathy towards her, right? It it kind of rides <laughs> off of her emotions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, I really like that, too, just that uh, there's a different way of communicating that's happening here, and, of course, Uhura is the one to figure it out. Yeah. Uhura, I, as I was reading the book, I'm like, well, you know, where's Uhura? Where's Uhura? And then finally Uhura shows up, and uh, – we don't see so much much later uh, we see mm-hmm. a lot of pike in the beginning and uh pike pike runs into an old friend of his which really surprised me when she showed up actually i wasn't expecting her and um they have a history together and uh she's what do they call her the sheriff no not the sheriff um the mayor no. what was her no title? she's not a man the marshal. She's one of the marshal. She's one of the marshals. Marshal, right? She's the marshal. Yeah, she's like the she's like the the chief like uh, keeper tracker of the law in that community. Right. Basically, on this planet, we have a whole bunch of communities that are separated. They're they're not allowed to mingle together. They're kept apart, and um, they're kept at a. How am I going to explain this? Whatever. Well, it's interesting. We get we get a multiple we get a multiple group of societies that have come from other places and other times and are rather locked into those times. Yes, yes. Whenever whenever they are brought to this planet, where whatever time they're from, they're locked into kind of like um, like the Amish people. I I would say, you know, they're stuck in that time. And that's it. Yeah, and I think and in this case, to... it's because, I, I was just going to say, in this case, it's because the planet itself uh, subdues the technology. And so if you think about it, you know, a lot of the ways that we communicate with one another are through technology or, or that type of thing. Now, can you send a Pony Express and, you know, send a letter next door? Well, yeah, but if the people next door are from a different planet and from a different time from where you're from, you're less likely to want to actually interact with them. There's a a um, an illegal underground called the Men 
the menders, I believe, right? Was that is yeah. that it, Charles? The yeah. menders. Yeah. And yes, and the menders are creating inventions that they're not allowed to have. And so they're kind of like underground outlaws. And of course Pike hooks up with them, obviously, right? And uh they help him. And I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, the book—it's not like it's a brand new book, but I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much of it for you guys. Well, it just came it out last February, so we got to be careful. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty new. It's pr- pretty new book. Real, so. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to tell you guys. I don't want to tell you everything about it, but it was fun, and there was a lot, a lot in it, and I, I, I personally thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, and you know. If I didn't know who wrote it, I wouldn't have guessed he wrote it, based on other stuff that I've read. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna break in, and the reason, fans, if you don't realize it, we're gonna talk about it, is John Jackson Miller also created a series called Star Trek Discoveries: The Enterprise War, and why the Enterprise was in the and is right. And Jim was not a big fan of this one because it was a very long book and stories went in multiple directions and it kind of it got a few times what was going on. Yeah, but yeah. this this one this one was was a lot of fun. Um, it was a, I thought it was a pretty quick read, Eric. What, what did you think? Oh yeah, it was super quick. Uh, I don't. Uh, Charles will probably remember exactly how long the audio book was, but it was not very long. And I felt like I read the the physical book in like, I don't know, four hours or something. It was, it was really quick or no, it was, it was maybe eight hours. It was only no. like a day or two days at the most. Yeah, it was quick. Man, Eric I started reading it up at camp and yeah, it was, it was quick. Once I just remember I was like 20% going, of the way through the book and yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just kept well, you know, another another ten percent, another twelve percent. Before I knew it, I was eighty, eighty-five, ninety done. I mean, it, it was a it was a very yeah. engaging story. I I thought um, okay. the, the characters being, were really being, well written. Being read, yep, the right. story was sixteen hours. Is it sixteen? Oh my gosh! It's a sixteen-hour okay. book. Well, I guess wow. that's longer than I anticipated. It felt like it read a lot quicker in print than that. I mean, I listen to an awful lot of audiobooks, and a 16-hour book is, you know, it's like a 400-page, 450-page book. But this, it just read really quickly for me. I don't know why. I could, it could have yeah. just, it flowed well. The book really kind of flowed well. And we kind of jumped between characters at times or different situations. And it was interesting, especially some of the visuals of things. Um, Pike sort of gets captured, and it's interesting how this occurs and what what happens in that scene. And that's an interesting scene because you kind of go through and it's like, okay, I think you're reading through and it's like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And speeds that chat with the menders. The, the only – the only thing I, if, if, if I want to say anything uh, negative, I guess, and it's not really super negative to begin with, was the ending. I felt it, it felt like the Lord of the Rings ending, where 
Oh, here's the ending. Oh, no, here's another ending. Oh, wait, here's another ending. Oh, my God, another ending. Wait, this isn't over yet? Another ending? And, you know, I, I as I was reading it along, I'm like, you know, they could have ended it there. and But they kept going, okay, now they can end it. Oh, no, wait, wait, there's more? Okay, now they can end it. Oh, my God, we're not done yet? Another ending? And it just felt like it just never wanted to end. Was my would be my only, uh, and then even that's not a big deal, but uh, that it just had multiple endings. Did you guys mm-hmm. did you guys think that when you were reading? Yeah, no, no, I I totally see that. Uh, it absolutely had multiple endings. It was almost like he got to the end of the book and he's like, okay, I've been um, carrying these. I think it's at least four different. It's like A, B, C, and D storylines. I've been carrying these all the way through the book. Now I have to make sure that I put a nice, neat little bookend on each one of these and finish the story. And I agree, Jim, whereas at the beginning of the book, I thought he did an amazing job at, like like you were saying, capturing people's voices, pulling us into the story. Um, to me, the end of the book felt like, um, you know how in the 80s all the songs faded out because none of the bands could figure out how to end a song? That's what it felt like to me. It felt like this book was kind of a fade out at the end. Like it had an ending, but it was kind of like, eh, all right. The rest of the book was great. Well, it was like a Stephen King movie. And you, know, you get to the end and it's like a giant spider from space. But when I was reading it, I'm thinking to myself, this is a Star Trek book. And how many times in Star Trek have we seen Captain Kirk or Captain Picard or whatever they go to the planet, they complete their mission, they fly away, right? And the, the camera or whatever is on the bridge, and they laugh at the end. Dun, 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 the music plays, and they fly away. And being a Star Trek uh, book, I kind of expected it. Well, the crew's back together. They did their thing, blah, blah, blah. It's over. But for some reason, uh, the author decided, well, we can't end it that way. We have to end each individual character story arc that we've talked about each needs to get their individual ending and i didn't feel that was necessary i felt totally satisfied with the classic star trek ending um you know i think i like but but we got a couple of the characters got an interesting ending of their own which then tied us surprise yeah and i think that was an interesting wrap-up to bring us back into Enterprise and things that occurred in Enterprise and explaining how they could kind of put them back into that society situation. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, it's not a big issue, um, you know, but overall I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this particular book and it felt as I was reading it, just like it was an episode. And that's, for me, that's that's when I know the author's doing a good job. They hit the mark. Um, you know, he expanded upon the, the the outside characters just enough to, to make them interesting, but didn't spend oodles and oodles and oodles of time on their backstories and things that aren't necessary. And the main characters were very engaging. The Their story arcs within this book were really, really fun, made a lot of sense, and felt just like the character. So I, I for one, highly recommend this book, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think that, like, Charles was giving out the, the ratings on a scale of five. 
Um, I would give this one a 4.5, I think. Pretty good. What about you, Eric? Rex? Uh, yeah, I well, I have a couple other things I would love to say about this book, too. They, so we've already talked about, you know, pulling people into the story and the A, B, C, and D stories. Um, there are some really creative things in here. There's not only the planet where technology doesn't work, which is kind of a thing that we've seen before, but there's also a whole story about groups of people who are controlling uh, aliens against their will. And to me, that's always a very interesting uh, topic to discuss because anytime you take somebody and you say, I'm not going to let you do what you want to do. I'm going to make you do something that I want you to do instead. That just makes for very interesting Star Trek in particular, but very good stories at all, I think. Um, you know, there's there's a couple – Jim mentioned kind of the one flaw there. We talked a little bit about how long it takes to get Uhura into the story and how long it takes to get Spock into the story. The other thing that I, I noticed was that – did you guys notice that the cover to this book shows you absolutely nothing about the book. Like there's just nothing on the cover that would pull you into the story or, or give you any indication mm-hmm. of what the book's about. And I really had a problem with that. I mean, to just have it be sort of a generic Photoshop movie poster of, you know, the big three from strange new worlds, that's boring. That did not make me want to read this book. So I had a little bit of a problem with the cover and I know the cover has nothing to do with the author, but I'm just saying the, to the publisher, you should do some art that actually, you know, <laughs> is in the book and gets people interested in the story. Uh, hey, man, head. you know, the, so. those cover artists are cheap. That costs money, right? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I, I guess that's true. It is true. No, it is true, and you you got to pay the artist. I think they're so trying I, to bring these things in for as cheap as humanly possible, right? And, you know, I, I think you're right. do a big franchise, I think they're like, okay, well, we could just use this kind of weird extra art that uh, Paramount has sitting around, let's do that. And other yeah. than hiring somebody and having to, because, you know, it, it gets to be a whole thing. And then somebody uh-huh. else has got to get paid. And it's just like, you know, I just wish I knew how to read, guys. And then I could have shared this experience with you. I'm still working on it. Well, well Paul, you'll get there someday, buddy. You'll get there someday. <laughs> we'll get you. I was. <laughs> I try. I was, but all the little I was, know, digits and things blur together. I know they do. Well, so the other thing that I, you know, I'm like, Jim, I don't want to give up too much about this book because I want people to read it, but I'll just say that if you've never seen Star Trek or never even conceived of Star Trek and, like, steampunk mixing a little bit, that's also in this book. So if that is interesting to you, um, there's a little bit of that in here, and I would definitely uh, recommend (laughs) checking it out. So... Yeah, I mean, I feel like I could kind of prattle on for a long time about the book. You know, there's a couple other weird things. I remember, um, is it when they meet the Vulcans? Aren't the Vulcans, like, speaking in old Shakespearean English? Don't they say these and thous and yees and that sort of stuff, too? I found that a little odd. Uh, you know, not sure why they're not speaking yeah. Vulcan, but... <laughs> But isn't that how the they tend to do it when we met uh, T'Pau in Amok time? That's how she talked, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's I guess that's true. Maybe. Maybe. Thou art witty, Kirk. You know, she's like very maybe much. Maybe that's uh, just how they that. want it, Vulcans to be represented somehow. You know, maybe, yeah, like maybe the they older... feel like it makes them. Yeah. 
more intelligent or the something. The old grandparent oh. Vulcans from the older generation or something, you know. But but she definitely yeah. was one for the Z and Vows. I remember that. But, but don't you, get me overall, wrong, man. There are some, in, yeah, really creative stuff in this book that I really enjoyed. And so overall, I'm going to give this book uh, also, I agree with Jim, a 4.5 seems very appropriate to me. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I may even reread it, which I don't always do with Star Trek novels, but it was good enough that I kind of want to go back and read it again. So, yeah, 4.5. All right. And, Charles, you can bring up the caboose on this one. Well, Eric, definitely I think it's worth a reread because the second time around, I find in many of these books, the second time around, the story is a little more clear. Like, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's how that ties into that. It's like, oh, okay, I understand now. I find that interesting because I end up reading these books once when it comes out, then I read it again for the show. Una has her own situation. We her side. Uhura is, is cadet, but we still see her and her strong points. She finds ways of, in her own way, solving, solving things. We finally see Spock. It's like, oh, Spock fits right into that situation. And then how we've got what goes on the Enterprise and what happens with Emmer. I don't think we're really being a bit of a dreamer. But that just makes his character even more rich. I was thinking about my score in this book. Jim's his score. It's like, Jim, out of my head. I was thinking a 4.5 out of 5 as well. See that? Great minds think alike, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So there you have it. I think wow, that's the first time we've unanimously given a book the same score, I believe. Five. Probably. So head out and read it. You won't be disappointed. And uh, now we're going to do our Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, every week we do our Star Trek birthdays, and we always start off by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to be remembering seven members of our Star Trek community. Uh, The very first is uh, a woman perhaps known better for other things than her acting prowess, but Herta Ware. Herta Ware would have had a birthday this week. And if you're saying, who the heck is Herta Ware? Well, you would absolutely recognize her as Yvette Picard from the Next Generation first season episode where no one has gone before. Picard's mother before we got to meet Picard's mother in Picard. Uh, now, Herta was a guitarist and folk singer uh, way back in the day. She uh, was from Washington, D.C., eventually moved to New York City, got involved in some Broadway, uh, doing that kind of stuff. She is also the mother of uh, fellow TNG guest star Ellen Greer and the grandmother of Star Trek Picard guest actress Willow Greer. So uh, two Greers right there in Star Trek that aren't her, and her son is also an actor, which is pretty cool. But what's really cool about her to wear was that um, her husband and her are 
were staunch political activists, really. Um, they were blacklisted back in the McCarthy era for taking the Fifth uh, Amendment. They eventually would lose their house as a result um, and eventually kind of had to remake their lives on a piece of property that they bought way, way back in the day. And that piece of property then eventually became uh, an artist colony and, and still survives to this day, which I think is pretty cool. Now, you would have also seen her to wear in Cocoon, likely. She was the character Rosie, uh, if you remember that movie. She was also Jessie Bowman, astronaut David Bowman's mother, in the movie 2010. Uh, showed up several times here and there on television, but really her... Uh, her, her Topanga Canyon property, which became the Theatricum Botanicum, is her lasting legacy. So her to, her to wear would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to her. We're also remembering this week Joan Marshall. Joan Marshall is the actress who played Lieutenant Ariel Shaw in the original, season first, uh, original series first season episode, Court Marshall. Um, Marshall entered show business when she was hired as a showgirl in Chicago at the age of 14 years old. She looked way older, I guess. Uh, this is what every, all the articles I've read say. <laughs> she looked older. People thought she was 18. But she started working young uh, and really got into that whole theater show scene, eventually moving to Beverly Hills. Uh, she starred in her own television series called Bold Venture back in 1959. She also made 10 feature films along the way, and uh, starring in some, uh, but the, the, and she's a couple that have sort of cult-like followings, but nothing really, really big. And then eventually she was signed to CBS and appeared on television shows like the Jack Benny program, the Red Skelton Hour. Uh, her, continue, or her career continued then into the 70s with more. And her story, well, not really her story, but sort of her story, was also told uh, in the movie Shampoo from 1975. Um, her husband at the time made that movie. She was actually displeased that uh, so much personal information about her was used in that movie. Um, so if you want to know more about Joan Marshall, I guess you could go watch Shampoo, or you could just read the Internet. Uh, plenty of information out there. She eventually ended up in Jamaica uh, because she loved that country, loved uh, the people, loved lost her life down there. So uh, happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Joan Marshall this week. Happy birthday as well to Gary Wahlberg. He was the New York-born actor who played Hanson in the original, season first, original series first season episode, Balance of Terror. He's also best known for playing Speed on the classic television sitcom The Odd Couple from 1970 to 1974. And later he played Frank Monahan in all seven seasons of Quincy M.E. Now you know who I'm talking about, right? In addition, he appeared in several feature films and made-for-TV movies along the way. You can go check out his IMDb page to see which ones those are. He had an uncredited role in the 1971 science fiction film The Andromeda Stream. Um, but besides his Star Trek appearances, he was mostly TV. We're talking Gunsmoke, Twilight Zone, Bonanza, that sort of stuff from back in the day. So... Happy birthday. Gary Wahlberg would have had a birthday on June 10th. We lost him back in 2012. Happy birthday, Gary. Happy birthday as well to actor Ed Bishop. Ed Bishop lent his voice to Star Trek The Animated Series. That's right. He was in the episode The Magics of Megas 2 as Osmodius. <laughs> I love it when we get these voice actors from the animated series in here. I think it's so cool. Ed Bishop was actually born George Victor Bishop back in 1932, 
And when he became a professional actor, he changed his name, of course, because there already was a George Bishop out there. Ed served in the U.S. Army from 1952 to 1954, where he was a disc jockey, among other things. And that's kind of how he got a little bit into the show business uh, game, started his professional acting career in 1961, uh, eventually moved to England, met a nice English lady, uh, bought an English property, and pretty much spent the rest of his career in the U.K. So um, in the U.K., he's best known for his starring role as Commander Ed Straker in the British science fiction series UFO. And he also provided yes. the voice of Captain Blue in the series Captain Scarlet and the Mysterions. Uh, Ed finally appeared in, of course, one of my favorite movies, 1968's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, he was in that movie with Gary Lockwood, who, of course, was also in Star Trek. So happy birthday and lots of love uh, and remembrances going out to Ed Bishop. Love the representation in the animated series. Also saying uh, hello and... Uh, sending out lots of love and remembrances to Percy Rodriguez today. He was the Canadian actor of Afro-Portuguese descent who played Commander Stone in the original series first season episode Court Martial. And as such, Percy was actually the first black flag officer in Star Trek. Another barrier broken there. In the mid-1930s, he was part of Montreal's Negro Theater Guild and ultimately won the Canadian Drama Festival Acting Award in 1939. Then in the 1950s, he relocated to the United States, uh, got involved in acting in LA, was on several popular shows like Nurses, uh, The Wild Wild West, Route 66. But his real breakout role came in 1968 when he portrayed neurosurgeon Harry Miles in the soap opera Peyton Place. Um, You know, uh, he was also in Roots, The Next Generation, and then he did a lot of the sort of 1970s um, black sitcom scene. He was on Sanford and Son, Good Times, What's Happening, and The Jeffersons. In 1980, he played the recurring role of Winston on on the Sanford and Son spinoff, just called Sanford. And, uh, you know, he was also an activist in in his own right, obviously portraying so many characters who were breaking barriers, barriers along the way. Uh, after he retired from acting, he would eventually come out uh, to narrate some trailers and that kind of stuff. And I know you, Jim, you have heard his voice a million times because he did the original trailer for Jaws. And I know you know that voice. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. So wow. Percy Rodriguez, what a guy, uh, what a talented actor, what a groundbreaking actor. Happy birthday and lots of love going out to Percy. Happy birthday as well to Richard Durr, the uh, actor who made two appearances in the original series, both as flag officers. He was Commander Barstow in the first season episode, The Alternative Factor, and Admiral Fitzgerald in the third season episode, The Mark of Gideon. Super, super intelligent guy. He actually graduated high school when he was 16 years old and then eventually went into theater afterwards. Was in a couple of movies with Charlie Chan back in the day. Um, in fact, was in a lot of really, really big movies back in the day. Uh, lots of war movies in particular. So go check out his IMDb. Um, he retired from acting in 1983, and then uh, after his acting career, became a real estate agent. So that's kind of interesting. You can have life after acting, it turns out. Richard Durr would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Richard Durr. 
remembrance this week goes out to William Newman, the actor from Chicago, Illinois, who played Kalen Trost in the Next Generation fourth season episode, The Host. Uh, throughout the 50s and 60s, he also was in the armed forces and then eventually became an English teacher. In 1965, he appeared in several stage plays, and then he made uh, his uh, movie debut uh, in 1980s, Brubaker, uh, which of course starred Robert Redford. You've probably heard of that movie. Went on to star in several other big movies, Mosquito Coast, uh, Funny Farm, Monkey Shines, all that sort of stuff. Did a lot of uh, um, soap operas as well, Ryan's Hope, Mouse Landing, things like that. But probably his best-known acting role was in the horror film Shadow, Dead Riot. Uh, He was also in many, many, many episodes of Days of Our Lives. So if you were into that show back in the day, you would have seen his face. William Newman would have had a birthday just today, June 19th. Happy birthday, William. And that guy does it for our remembrances this week. So uh, why don't we take it away? Okay. Thank you, Eric. And I got some references back to Eric's later on. Let's start off with a happy birthday to Scott Thompson, Canadian comedic actor who played Tommen in Star Trek Voyager's fifth season episode, Someone to Watch Over Me. Thought it interesting that one his this first movie credit was Cheech and Chong's next movie. And if you sometimes ever hear me make a comment, oh Dave's not here, that's actually a Cheech and Chong joke. Also known, even though I didn't see it, for many of the Kids in the Hall series. Happy birthday to Felicia M. Bell, who played Jennifer Sisko and her Mirror Universe counterpart in Star Trek Space Nine, three episodes. Got her start in between Deep Space Nine, worked on Days of Our Lives and General Hospital. So one of the few people who we've gotten from soap operas. Happy birthday to Jerry Nicole Love, who played Lieutenant Erterm in Star Trek Picard's second season episode, Stargazer and Farewell. She's appeared in, uh, was a regular in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and appeared in a couple episodes of Fantasy Island 2021. Say to Malcolm McDowell, as my writer wrote down, prolific British actor who played Dr. Tomlin Soren in Star Trek Generations. I'm sure this would be one of Paul's favorite, was one of his early early movie roles, was in A Clockwork Orange. Appeared as Mr. Rourke in Fantasy Island 1998-99 release. Appeared in more than 100 movies, plus over 170 gave me a happy birthday to Fred uh, Eric or Paul help me with his last name Tatasciore Tatasciore 
That's the skill. But we know it. <laughs> as we know, I'm the reference of Papa Bear, a.k.a. Shock, Shacks, in Star Trek Lower Deck, Lower Deck Prodigy, Lower Deck. Surprisingly, he also appeared in Prodigy's All the World's a Stage, playing Dr. Boone and Severovic and Sprock. And the Interprisian's voice. Uh, I guess just been talking about his career, but I wouldn't be going on for the rest of the show. He has over 900 credits on IMDb. And Charles, can I just... He's done so much, and, and I just wanted to butt in, because, in case you didn't mention it, because Shax, of course, is an amazing character on that show, but where else have yes. we been seeing a lot of Shax lately? Oh, uh, in uh, Star Trek comics. In the comics. That's right. So you guys, yep. if you are a Shax fan and you have watched all of the lower decks that you can watch right now and you want more Shax, you need to go check out the Star Trek comics because Shaxx is showing up and he is kicking butt. It's awesome. Oh, boy, is he. I just read issue nine and boy, does he kick butt. I've looked at it. He's done Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, uh, Fox comic, uh, the Fox uh, animated series. I lost track. If you really want to see so much credits, go look at done. Serious voice after Kirk. Peter Robin. Curtis. Uh, played Savage in Star Trek 3, Search for Spock, and Star Trek 4, A Voyage Home. And Teleria in Star Trek Next Generation 7th Season Episode Gambit Part 1 and 2. She actually started, as a, she actually started her career as a child actor in General Hospital. In 1999, she retired, and a few later, a few years later, became a very successful real estate agent. <clears throat> Though she does still occasionally appear at Star Trek conventions. What's on your list? All right, my friend. Thank you so much. I am delighted to uh, kick things off with this first actor who we are acknowledging for playing Senator Kratak in the Deep Space Nine seventh season episode, Inter Arma Enim Silent Legate, which is Latin for, I was once married to a famous director. Who are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about the iconic, unforgettable, radiant Adrienne Barbeau, friends. Yes, Adrienne Barbeau has been on Star Trek. This is something that sometimes we forget, but it's true. Um, I think Adrian Barbeau came into uh, prominence with the original Broadway production of Grease, where she was the one who originated Tough Girl Rizzo in that first production there. And then she really exploded in the early 70s, thanks to her one-time husband, John Carpenter, where she showed up in uh, The Fog back in 1980, and Escape from New York the following year, which just became explosive. 
Yeah, really, really, really amazing. She's been on Creep Show. She was in uh, West Craven's Swamp Thing. If anybody remembers the animated series of Batman in the early 90s, Adrian Barbeau voiced yeah. Catwoman on that series as well. And just, you know, tremendous uh, talent. She's just been in so many great things over the years. Really, really uh, fantastic performer. And uh, from all accounts, a, a just pretty fantastic human being. Um, selfishly, I have to mention, <laughs> yes, I am a big toy collector. It's true. And just this very week, coincidence, I happened to get an Adrian Barbeau action figure from The Fog. <laughs> they did a wonderful job of uh, bringing her to life here in her iconic role as Stevie Wayne from that picture. So anything John Carpenter related, I'm collecting, and it's great to have that going on there too. But phenomenal actress who was also in Deep Space Nine. So happy birthday, Adrian Barbeau. I hope life is treating you well. We'd also like to wish happy birthday greetings to actor Luke Humphrey, who played Volatak in the Star Trek Discovery first season episode, Lay Thing. Hope you're having a great day. Birthday felicitations out to actress Christine Healy, who played uh, Selton Rakal in the Deep Space Nine third season episode, Meridian. Another birthday is being had this uh, week by American actor and author Cal Boulder, who played Keel in the original series second season episode, Friday's Child. Pretty awesome episode. If you haven't watched that in a while, it's really, really uh, one of the good ones. Really, really cool. Julie Newmar is in that episode as well. And finally for me, happy birthday greetings go out to Anthony Atamanowicz, actor, comedian, and writer who voiced Honus in the Lower deck second season episode, Mugato Gomato, Tomato Tomato. So happy birthday to all of our Star Trek uh, appearances and uh, luminaries out there, especially Adrian Barbo. And uh, I'll pass it over to you, Big Jim. Why, thank you, Paul. Excellent. And who, who didn't fall in love with Adrian Barbo? My God, Escape from New York, one of my favorites. Just loved her. I didn't even mention Maude, right? She was on Maude forever. <laughs> she was, like, huge in the 70s and 80s. Absolutely. Yeah, and gutsy. Uh, gutsy. Really gutsy. Really, um, it, it, you know, I mean, everybody gets hung up on Adrian Barbeau's looks, right? But but she played really tough feminist characters, right? I mean, pre-Ripley and Aliens. She was, a, she was hardcore, right? And she came out there uh, and, in a way, I think really is responsible – Historically, for you know, putting a, a fierceful face on uh, on movie and uh, theater characters, so she's she's a history maker uh, there. Very very cool. I think she would have kicked Ripley's ass personally. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> At any rate, now let's continue on with our birthdays here. We want to say happy birthday to Conroy A. Gideon, who was a Jamaican-born actor who played the civilian agent. And Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, the one that Dr. McCoy tries to do the Vulcan neck pinch in the bar um, in Star Trek Three. So happy birthday to Conroy. We also want to say happy birthday to Ada Maris, who played her Captain Hernandez in Star Trek Enterprise, fourth season episodes, Home, Affliction, and Divergence. By the way, the first female Starfleet captain ever. There she is which is kind of strange because I seem to remember TOS saying that women weren't allowed to be captains, yet 
She was the captain of the USS Columbia and XO2 on Star Trek Enterprise. So happy birthday to Ada Maris, first female captain. Say happy birthday to Shannon Phil, who played the role of the Bajoran Peter Jackson in Star Trek The Next Generation episode, First Duty and Lower Decks, not to be confused with the animated series Lower Decks. You know, I always thought that had they not killed her off, she would have been great on DS9 in the role of Kira. Just saying, just dropping that out there. And uh, I always save the Klingons for last. That's right. Klingons always go last on Uncle Jim's list. And, uh, you know, these aren't, like, huge record-breaking Klingons, but they're Klingons nonetheless, so they fit the description. We want to say happy birthday to Jessica Gona, who portrayed the young Balana Torres in the Star Trek Voyager 7 season episode, Lineage. And last but not least, we want to say kapwa to Sherman Howard, who appeared as Endar in the TNG fourth season episode, Suddenly Human. He also appeared as Sivar in DS9's third season episode, Shakar. And we're going to remember him for playing the Klingon character in the Voyager seventh season episode, Prophecy. And that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek birthdays for this week. And uh, that gives us some time for some Star Trek news. And we've got some really good, fun stories here to talk about. You can find all those stories in their entirety on our Facebook page. But before we get started, we have to do this. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Okay, it's time for our Star Trek news. And Charles, do you want to get us started? Okay, let's get started with it. Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. Will Taco tackle the big original series canon question? Spock's journey is part of Strange New Worlds and the existence of smiling Spock in original Star Trek pilot Cage has been a gift to the writers. Season 2 does begin to acknowledge very openly how differently Spock is of this series now from most, fan, most fans know. Goldman admits there was no indication that Ahura served on Pike's Enterprise. We've invented that from the whole cloth. The closer we got to that moment just after where no man has gone before, we have to acknowledge canon. Akiva Goldsmith knows that not everything can stay in the nebulous in-between stages forever and firmly believes the series could safely continue on for seven years before hitting the real TOS problem. So I think I like that we get a little continuity with the cage then lead on to eventually TOS. It's an interesting article to read because um, they talk about a lot of the uh, things that we know from TOS, like, for instance, uh, um, Nurse Chapel, and they explain, you know, why they're 
they're doing those things and why they think they can get away with them on Strange New Worlds. It's a very interesting read, and I thought it would be fun for some people that are, are really hooked on canon and how it fits in. So you can go read the full article instead of the abridged Uncle Jim version. And uh, speaking of the abridged Uncle Jim version, uh, the next story is entitled Why Paramount Plus Should Make More Star Trek Throwbacks. Star Trek Picard is the most successful Star Trek show streaming today, according to viewership data from Samba TV. Not only did the season three premiere perform well for Paramount Plus, topping the season four premiere of Star Trek Discovery by more than 40%, but momentum built week after week as showrunner Terry Metalis and colleagues reintroduced a delightful cadence of familiar fan favorite characters with each episode. Paramount struck ratings gold by not only tapping into the nostalgia of Patrick Stewart-era Star Trek, but also filming the release with Vulcan-like precision. The cast seemed to come through at warp speed around the sun as they arrived at the very peak of their performances together. For Trek fans, seeing Gates McFadden, LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, John the Frakes, Marina Suris, Brent Spiner, and Patrick Stewart back together again, is the ultimate family reunion everyone hoped it could be. With a strong and growing Gen Z audience base, bringing in new fans to the now more than half-century-old Gene Roddenberry-created Trek universe, Picard also scored with high-income households. It is clear fans are eager and willing to support programming they love with their monthly subscription fees. Now fans only need for Paramount to make it so. So I guess the question I want to ask you guys is, is, should Paramount just make more shows with legacy characters, or should they continue to make new shows like like Discovery and uh, Starfleet Academy and Section 31? What do you think? I prefer uh, a I have, of both. Yeah. Go, go for it, Eric. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's interesting to hear you say both, Charles. I was going to say that I, you know, for me, um, Strange New Worlds is fun, and I'm digging it, and, but what it's done is it's created more new canon. It's not using legacy characters, and I like that kind of formula. I honestly want more new, new, new Trek. I thought Discovery was great, and you guys, anytime something brand new comes out, you know, they very rarely nail it on the head the first time around. I mean, season one of Next Generation was not that great, right? But I think that in this world that we live in right now, if one season of a new show doesn't do well, a.k.a. Discovery, okay, they'll make some more seasons, but it feels like people lost interest in it. And I don't know if that was because of the subject matter or the actors or the writing or what it was, but I personally... I want to see the canon pushed forward. I want to see new characters. I want to see stories that I haven't seen a million times before. I just, I crave new stuff all the time, personally. Cool. I would, well I'm going to say, I, I agree with Eric. I want, I want some new stories, new canon, along with, give me a little, give me small doses of classic of what happened in the past. I mean, Pike is the perfect guy to pull into that, right? Because he was already part of Star Trek canon with the cage, but he wasn't flushed out. So that was like a unique opportunity to take an existing character and push him further. Um, 
you know, do we want to go back and do we want to watch more Next Generation characters over and over again? Or do we, do we need Star Trek Harry Kim? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I need to see a bunch of those old characters again and again. <laughs> well, maybe yeah, I'm, I'm, all, with that. I'm with you guys, you know, I really am. I, I think, I mean, it's nice to have the little grace notes. Um, you guys have been talking a lot about like, oh, I recognize so-and-so from uh, Lower Decks, right? I think people enjoy seeing the little, you know, archaeological tissue that goes back to older shows and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's only going to get you so far, right? I mean, I think that we really are just, we're spinning our wheels if we don't get new content, right? I mean, I think that's why you have to really give it up to to uh, to Discovery, just because they have reinvented themselves on that show at least three times, maybe four, mm-hmm. you know, yep. being willing to, you know, completely reset things, maintaining as much continuity as they can, but even going, you know, far, far, far into the future with things. I mean, that's pretty ballsy stuff, and all the names, mm-hmm. and showing us things we've never seen before. I think that was... Uh, you know, the the last couple of episodes of this last season, when we finally found out what it was that was responsible for things, that was pretty visionary stuff. And really, mm-hmm. I don't really know that we've seen that before. And I think that was really welcome. And it wasn't like a destructive being that was out to, you know, punish the universe or whatever. It was just something that we had a difficult time communicating with. And that was really, I don't know, that seems pivotally Star Trek to me, that kind of thing, right? You know, Paul, so I'm hoping I wonder... that we can keep the themes of Star Trek the same. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm losing Uh-oh. my ear. Okay. But um, I was just going to say briefly, right, it's just like if we can keep all those themes and the ethos of Star Trek, but move it forward with, with you know, uh, more advanced storytelling so that it's fresh. And new. I think that's what people really want, right? I think that that would really feel true to Star Trek. And I almost I, wondered I if. Re- oh, sorry. Something we haven't yep. had recently that I think could fill in some of those gaps. What if some of these characters get revisited in short treks? Yeah, they need they need to bring back short treks. That would be perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Charles, I can definitely see that as the way to revisit old characters. You know, with Paul, mm-hmm. when you were just talking about your opinions on, on new versus old, the thing that, that kind of came to mind was I wonder if people's love of kind of the nostalgic old characters a la Picard Season 3 is really not that different from why we have – like why popular television these days is nothing but reality television shows and remakes of old television shows and, you know – it feels like there's a lot of stuff that just kind of generally gets recycled these days. So is that just part of our normal TV culture now? I think, it, like, I think, it, I think you're right. In show business right now in particular, right, it's just it's a very risk-averse business, right? Yeah. Super risk-averse. They want a known quantity, and so the, the phrase that you hear just ubiquitously is reboot. Oh, it's a reboot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're you basically it's like the, kind of the the cheap way of saying I'm getting my cake and eating it too. It's just like I'm going to get a fresh spit on this that'll connect with the young generation, but but it's really a proven quantity that we've already seen. Right. It's just like how long is it right. before they start digging up old shows like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and Time Tunneling, rebooting that. Right. Yeah. But 
But yeah. I just don't think it's I, enough, man. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it, I'd, I'd be all on board for something like uh, a series that wasn't, uh, you know, give me a series about the Guardian of Forever. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, where it's just like you could have different eras of Star Trek interacting with that every single week, and it would be Absolutely. different. And you'd have a lot of room to creatively play with that. Dude, we haven't even gotten into series that don't focus on Starfleet yet. Like, give me Star Trek Andoria or, you know, like, yeah. give me Star yeah. Trek Klingons. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Push it. The, Kling, the yeah. next gen, the whole Klingon Civil War arc with, like, you know, uh, the Duras family and seeing uh, things on Kronos and all that stuff. Holy moly. I don't know if you remember when that aired, but that was people were just like, could not get enough of that. Uh, you know, know. People were showing up in bars and Klingon outfits and learning the language. It was like a, it was a huge party, man. And I think that, I think that would be a fresh take. Like give us like a Shakespearean Klingon series or something like that. I'd be like, man, people would love that. And it would be mythic. He could really go in a different direction. We kept Speaking of, of going in a different direction, um, who <laughs> I, I, I kind of left this one open because I didn't know who was going to jump on this one. But I put this one in here for Eric and Charles specifically. So <laughs> do you guys want to share the next story? How do you want to do the next story? This one's for you guys yeah, in let's, particular. Let's, let's share the next story. I want to hear if, if Charles has one last thing he wanted to say, and then Charles, should I start it out and you want to finish it? All right. Uh, I was going to say we keep getting promised a miniseries about the eugenics wars. Mm-hmm. I still want that. Absolutely. The origins of Khan. I want that. That would be super cool. Yeah, I'd love some more from that time. Well, uh, so ch- the reason that uh, Jim has handed this story to both Charles and I is because it deals with our other – Favorite fran- well, our third other favorite One franchise, I guess, because you got to get words in there too. <laughs> Doctor Who versus Star Trek: Which aliens are better? Uh, who has the best-looking aliens? This, frankly, is an easy win for the Doctor. Star Trek has a few standouts: the Horda, the Tholians, the Gorn, and that tardigrade on Discovery. But there's no getting around the fact that the vast majority of Star Trek's alien life across all four quadrants of the galaxy are obviously human-looking people with prosthetics glued to their heads. And I, I won't disagree with that. There are some pretty awesome-looking aliens in Doctor Who. Wouldn't you agree, Charles? I completely agree. Yeah. Now, wait, wait. So, i got to interject here. I've got to jump in. As a very – as a, a new Whovian who really only knows Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who because of you guys, I seem to remember watching an episode with Jamie where there was a giant face of skin stretched across these bars that they sprayed water on, and the face was on the talk. And then there was basketball heads (laughs) floating around. And I'm like, oh, yeah. These are these are great aliens. They were. Oh, they're great aliens. Oh, she's. she's Well, Cassandra is a very important character. She, she was the Who? last living being from Earth. Her name's Cassandra. The skin face? The, yeah. the skin face yes. thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's a she human, dude. Last living, well. She was the last living person from Earth. Well, I don't... I, I, I don't know. I, I have no... I, I have no clue. This is why you guys well, do the story. Well, I think... 
I think, Jim, the comparison here is um, full rubber suits versus bumpy foreheads. And I think that right. Doctor Who wins the full rubber suit uh, match there. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. All right. Well, enough about how uh, the aliens look. Let's talk about the most fascinating contact stories. Star Trek does considerably better here. One of the most famous aliens, of course, is Spock, who allegedly has done away with his emotions, giving us a perspective of pure logic uh, for a TV writer's grasp of the word logic, whatever that is. That is often wildly different from his human crewmates, and yet just as valid. Indeed, Spock forms something of a blueprint for Star Trek writers, and throughout the franchise, it has, uh, it has frequently reused the winning formula. And so do you agree, Charles? Does, does Star Trek win the most fascinating uh, contact, alien contact uh, bout here? Uh, there's such a variation. We don't really deal with first contact, whereas Star Trek more focuses on first contact and who they have dealings with. Doctor Who is like, oh, the, that that creature's here. We're just going with it, and so we don't yeah, really get you know, backstories. As I would do. agree, we don't. Yeah, because the a with Doctor Who, we're not working from a place of a group of people going out and exploring, right? Uh, we don't have the mm-hmm. Federation. We just have the Doctor and his companion or companions, whoever they may be. And so I would say that first contact in Doctor Who actually comes through the eyes of the companions you know, because they yep. haven't seen these aliens for the first time. And so it's a little bit less of a profound realization because it's kind of like, oh, I haven't seen this alien before. Oh, here's this cool alien. Oh, okay, now let's go play with aliens. <laughs> Whereas in Star Trek, it's like, oh, my God, here's a civilization we have to interact with that we've never seen before. Yep. Right on. All right, well, yep. I'll take uh, this. Uh, you want to take over here, Charles, with the subtext? Okay, the best storytelling stuff, if you don't mind really having your mind blown, a lot of the stories in the original Star Trek were actually commentaries in the Cold War. Don't worry if this shocks you, as it was extremely subtle. subtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think Star Trek spent a lot more time on... A little, a little discussion of politics in there. I don't think Doctor Who spent as much time dealing with much political, even though they did hit some political issues. Well, Charles, I just, I I, being a, a new Whovian, I do want to jump in and say that one of the, the episodes that I loved and remember most from our Doctor Who reviews was the episode entitled Rosa. I thought that yeah. episode was absolutely outstanding of an episode. I think that well, episode was yeah. on par with anything Eric, we've uh, seen on Star Trek. Eric, what about uh, our visit with uh, Charles Dickens? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, the Charles Dickens episode, I actually, I was I just going to say that my, one of my personal favorite famous people uh, episodes is the Vincent Van Gogh episode. That's, I that's just, the one I was in. Vincent, oh, that Vincent yeah. Van Gogh one. Literally, they're, they're, I've seen it six times, and it makes me cry every time I see it. That's that's good yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and I, just in terms of subtext, Charles, if I can mention something too, I'll say that, okay, Star Trek may do good subtext, but one of the things that Doctor Who does really, really well, which Star Trek does not do very well, is, is two things. One, they make it only, – only recently has Star Trek started to kind of make it no big deal when there's a queer character or when there's a right. – uh, binary character when there's whatever a character who's outside of the kind of like what anybody would consider part of their paradigm if it's other than that star trek has just started doing that doctor who's been doing it for a long time like way back in the robert eccleston days way back in the david Tennant days there was a lot of i mean captain jack sparrow and the way that he interacted with oh. david Tennant was yeah. was just really special right uh sparrow's one of my favorite so oh, they was- do that they Captain do that Jack really well. Tra- and yeah, Captain Jack was attracted to anybody. He was attracted he to was anybody. And he was know, attracted to you. Didn't care what yeah. male, female, or what and, species you were. And they made it no big deal. They just made it part of his yep. character, which I thought was really special. And then the other thing that I think they do really well that Star Trek doesn't do is they carry plot devices through multiple seasons. So there's stuff that shows up in, like, Peter Capaldi's Doctor – that started way back in David Tennant's Doctor, and it's stuff that just, you're like, oh, I remember like four seasons ago when that happened. I mean, you want to talk about depth of writing? That is what they're doing in Doctor Who, which is really amazing. Doctor Who did it, and Star Trek caught on when we got Enterprise. Not Enterprise. We got Discovery. When we got Discovery. Yeah, Discovery with the more. they They started giving us red herrings. And little pieces yep. of hints, like Lorca. Whereas we go back to we go back to the Eccleston era with Bad Wolf, the mm-hmm. crack, the silence, yeah. the weeping angels. They'll stretch that through multiple times, where we kind of did a little bit with the Klingons. We didn't attach the stories as well, and except for a little bit DS9, but getting those little tidbits of stretching it. So good subtext in both shows, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and the last one is the, the best emotionless cyborgs. Cyborgs that remove all emotion are connected via high line. The Borg and the Cybermen. In both cases, they're never going to be more than the briefest of temporary peace treaties with these cyborgs. Although in Lower Decks, one does give us a glimpse of the future with the Borg school children. In both cases, the cyborgs are a threat to our identity, our individuality, and use the threat of technology as a dehumanizing force. Over time, both have evolved into effective robo-vampires, forces infecting as many people as possible into becoming half-machine slaves with no identity. Often irritating, they can be defeated with the old destroy-the-head-vampire strategy, which defeats the entire point of decentralizing hive mind. But anyway, that's another rant. Far from being utterly alien, the Cybermen have come from another Earth. They were humanity's potential force, and the Cybermen's mutants inside of the Dalek also starts out looking 
exactly like humans. And the the cockleshane, cockleshane from the sounds of the drums and the laughs of time lords, and the dregs from Orphan Fifty Five, the amalfadors from the hemivores <laughs> from the cure of the Fennec, and the future kind of Utopia. And seriously, you start to suspect the reason that doctors so protected the humanity. Is because they know that if left alone for five minutes, we'll just transform into gen- genocidal monsters. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think the Borg are bad? You start getting a life between the Cybermen and the Daleks. Even worse when you get those two together. Yeah, it gets pretty bad. It's not unlike, I guess, the changelings and the Borg sort of teaming up. But I would say, personally, on this one, I think the Borg take it hands down. I've always found the Cybermen to be a little silly. Um, They do – I also believe that modern Cybermen are probably copied off of TNG-era Borg. Uh, Not saying that Cybermen didn't exist before the Borg, because of course they did. But the Cybermen are different now a little bit than they are in Classic Who, and they, they've developed the, um, the character and the kind of background of them so much more, and they're still, in my opinion, I, I don't know, kind of lame. I don't like it. What do you think, Charles? <laughs> I might uh, be wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't diss the Cybermen. I think they're just – their ultimate goal is just destruction of everybody. They don't want to sit there and take you over. They just want to replace you, and those that they can't want to upgrade take over, you. they're willing to destroy. Right. Borg assimilate, uh, Cybermen upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> That's the nomenclature they use. So, yeah, both good cyber species, but I don't know. Maybe the Borg take it uh, in this one. Yeah, I think it's a split. The Cybermen... Other than the Borg want to assimilate you and take them into your society, Cybermen just want to take you in their society. Yeah. Forget about They're not that. adapting their – yeah, right. They're not changing their society based on anybody they assimilate or uh, upgrade, I should say. So cool. I think it's an interesting okay. comparison between the two series. And what I are you in comparison? I knew you guys would like but, it. Well, what are you in comparison? <laughs> the fact is – these two are the only science science fiction shows that have been around plus years. Yeah, in fact, this year is Doctor Who's 60th. They are celebrating their yes. 60th anniversary this year. So, yeah. Cool. Well, speaking of anniversaries, we have a story next, Eric, that we haven't had in a while because he's been pretty quiet. And we're not he talking has... about Donald Trump either. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. We're talking about somebody much more interesting than that. We're talking about the man who says, or who we say says, Shatner says, what? Because he says a lot of crazy stuff. William Shatner says he won't return to space. It would be like revisiting a love affair. Ooh, maybe that makes sense. He has boldly gone where few people have gone before, and William Shatner will likely not go back. After earning a once-in-a-lifetime ticket on Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin spacecraft in 2021, Shatner returned to Earth consumed with feelings of grief. He compared going back on a galactic journey to revisiting a love affair and told Fox News Digital in an exclusive interview that he should probably let it alone. He said, if I followed through, I can make a circle of this rock we live on. 
We are so negligible. We are so nothing. We are this small rock and this negligible solar system, which is beside a mediocre star in a galaxy that is barely larger. We're nothing. We are nothing. And that's what I saw. And what else I saw was up there was the tragedy of the extinction of life. You don't know what's flying up there. And any one of those things would penetrate and be your destruction. So uh, it sounds to me like Shatner had a real, like, philosophical moment when he was up there. Um, a Nietzschean moment, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> he sounds pretty overcome by it. Um, but at 91 years old, you know, it makes a lot of sense that he wouldn't want to go up. And when you've experienced something that special and that profound, you probably could never repeat the experience for real anyway, right? So I guess why try? Yeah, and he's yeah. and he's Shatner. We we expect this kind of stuff from Shatner, right? Well, I let you know he's not afraid to say what he's thinking, and I think when he, you know, when he says things like, "We are insignificant, we are negligible," I think that's only the kind of perspective that you can get when you're up in space. I really do. I feel like if every human being could somehow find a way to go into space and look down on the majesty of the planet, there'd probably be a lot more people taking care of the planet. And Eric, speaking of space, we are going to have Star Eagle on the podcast on a future show. Yes, we are. I'm so excited about that. I can't wait to talk to her. <laughs> she's, uh, she's in space camp right now working on, on her astronaut stuff, but she is, when she has a free moment, she's going to come on the show and talk with us. So that's pretty cool. That's going to be killer. I love it. All right. Well, Paul, you get to bring up the caboose, buddy. All right, man. Well, you know, Shatner, I guess you maybe, if you're going in outer space, friends, you, uh, you know, you're, you can be a glass half empty person or a glass half full. And maybe you see what you bring with you, perhaps. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Probably true. <laughs> so definitely uh, not the boldly going, how exciting, strange new world vision. That was just like kind of like, wow, emptiness and uh, nihilism. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> But still, it's just it's it's you know, from somebody who's getting up there themselves. I mean, to survive going to space at age ninety is insane. I mean, that's just re- remarkable. So I would be like, uh, I got away with it once. There's no way I'm risking that again. You know what I'm saying? But not at that age. But let's talk more immediate developments, if we could, because this is exciting, and I like this. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds began its second season today here in North America. And have some of us on the show already seen uh, season two, episode one? Perhaps, but we're not going to speak about that now. We're going to talk about that next week. But speaking of Strange New Worlds, there are rumblings that Strange New Worlds could be navigating a crossover with Star Trek Enterprise. What in the hell are you talking about, Paul? Well, friends, it's been 18 years since Star Trek Enterprise was canceled. The show ended in 2005 due to middling ratings and a massive, massive budget, something the television provider at the time, UPN, could no longer contend with. Despite 18 real years passing and 104 years passing in that universe, Strange New World's co-showrunner, Akiva Goldsman, is not ruling out that Enterprise may see some shine in the upcoming season of Strange New World. It'd be hard to believe that 150-year-old Jonathan Archer was still alive, but hey, 
we'd pretend to buy that if they pulled it off. You know, likely it'd be to Paul, as Vulcans live a long time. And if it is, we wouldn't be mad about that at all. That would be actually quite wonderful. Because she was a great character. Regardless of who or how the crossover happens, we think we speak for all Enterprise fans when we say that anything we get that highlights that show would be most welcome indeed. And I think we've been privy to enough uh, little press releases from Akiva Goldman and Strange New Worlds family over the years that when they mention something theoretically, oh, well, it could happen, it might be, you know, going to cross over, it could do that. Uh, and especially where they're talking about this season, it's basically them telling us that it's going to happen. So that uh-huh. we should expect it, right? So there's no really, there's really, uh, you know, not ruling out. <laughs> not ruling out. Dude, you closed production down like a year ago on season two. I think it's ruled out. I think we know it's ruled in that we're going to see uh-huh. some kind of reference to Enterprises here. So that's kind of cool. So we'll see what it is. Um, I hope it's something great and fun and inventive. Um, a lot of people, I think, have mentioned over the last couple of years as people have been rediscovering it, including myself, that uh, it's a show that really, uh, you know, left the stage before it was done, I think. It really was. They were really getting their feet, finding their feet in those last seasons of the show. And uh, I think it would be really great to, to see if there's another story left, right? I don't know if you need to do a whole season like we just did with the Next Gen crew. But, you know, they're talking about doing all these, uh, you know, uh, standalone movie of the weeks, if you will, on uh, Paramount Plus down the road. They've got a lot of freedom to explore different stuff. One last really cool Enterprise story with whoever's still alive could be pretty cool, right? So I'd, I'd be curious about that, you know? I mean, what about you guys? What do you think? Well, oh, yeah. let's not forget I mean, what? That, that they filmed episode, they filmed season two and three concurrently. So when he's when he's talking about this, he could actually be talking about season three, which they filmed at the same time as season two. Are you telling me that season three of Strange New Worlds is already shot? Yeah, season three and season two they they did concurrently, like they did with Picard. Hmm, I did not yeah, know and, that. And, you know, one really? of the things that I was kind of reminded of by, I guess, was um, that, you know, in, uh, in Strange New World, or not in Strange New Worlds, what's the show where we just saw Cheka, uh, Anton Cheka that was in... Um, Picard. 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 In Picard, yes. In Picard, see, I couldn't think of the name, I'm sorry. So in Picard Season 3, we see an ancestor of... of the guy we know, right? <laughs> His son, uh, supposedly now uh, uh, president of the Federation. And so in this case, you know, I doubt we would ever see a 150-year-old Jonathan Archer. But we could see one of his, uh, you know, descendants, which I think would be kind of cool. Uh, and not unlike but some of the fan films that we've already seen. Right? He, he, he could, you know, Archer could have ended up being put in for some, you know, preposterous reason in cryogenic suspended animation. Right? And so he, like... They thaw him out, and he's basically, he's aged a few years, but he's still, you know, I mean, they could do something like that. I mean, there's a million different ways sure. they can come up with that and sure. still get away with it. Hologram, whatever, you know? I mean, there's all kinds of different things they could do and still involve the guy. Carl, don't forget about Carl. 
right? Good old Carl. Yeah. So, anyway, so we'll see. there's, there's a lot very of interesting tennis, but uh, I, I would love to see more. Um, I think the for me, the big takeaway is I was super busy and crazy at the time that uh, Enterprise aired. I missed a lot of it. And uh, Eric's been kind enough to, like, recommend a particular episode, say, hey, man, you really need to go back and check these out. And it is really an interesting show and uh, deserves to be appreciated. If folks haven't uh, checked it out or haven't watched it in a while, I think it's worth a trip back. And I think there's some really interesting stuff in there that uh, that has aged extremely well. So fascinating stuff if you've overlooked it. And I just wanted to ask one thing. David, did you bring the donuts? Uh, uh, I'm fired again. <laughs> You had one job, and you screwed it up. <laughs> Showed up late with no donuts? Hi, guys. Wow. Dave. You know, showed up you late leave David alone. without the donuts. eat all the donuts, right? <laughs> I brought pie. Well, Does that better count? Late than never. <laughs> yeah, better late than never, David. Uh, but no donuts. Uh, you, you lose a couple brownie points for that one. <laughs> Yeah, you're going, you're going back in the pattern buffer, David. <laughs> we almost bought we almost bought donuts. <laughs> back wow. in the pattern buffer. Well anyways. It, it, we're we're glad that you that you made it, David. That's pretty cool anyways. Yeah. So uh David, since since you just joined the party, uh did you wanna add anything to anything that we were talking about earlier before we say goodnight? Uh I actually literally just called, like, maybe, I don't know, what, 10 minutes ago, I guess. <laughs> I didn't really hear a whole lot. So well, I can't really add much. On, I... What about Doctor what? Who? What are your thoughts on Doctor Who? Doctor Who or Star who? Trek? <laughs> Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Doctor Pulaski? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, I never actually saw that. Doctor Who, except for the old version, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about that, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, guys, I want to say thank you to our very own Ray for calling from the Bronx. We haven't heard from Ray in a while or from Ray, so thank you for calling Ray. And all you guys, I'm telling you right now, you need to go to our Facebook page or trektalking.com and click on the little blue talkback microphone in the bottom right-hand corner Tell us why you want a Blu-ray copy of Strange New World Season 1, and I will drop it in the mail and send it to you for absolutely free. But you have to go to trektalking.com, click on the blue microphone, and tell me why I should send it to you. It's that simple. All right, so do it. Do it now, okay? It doesn't matter if you're listening to us live right now on Thursday night or it's Tuesday, or maybe you're that dude in Australia. It doesn't matter. Go to go to www.trektalking.com, bottom right-hand corner, click on the blue talkback microphone, tell me why you want Strange New World Season 1 on Blu-ray. I'll send it to you free. That simple. Um, I also want to say thank you to Paul for hanging out and Trek Talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Paul. And I'd like to apologize to everybody for being just preposterously late uh, this particular episode. Uh, my wife is out of town this week, and so I'm running everything solo. <laughs> so I got super distracted. 
but uh, so apologies for that. I felt especially bad missing the fan shout outs uh, segment, especially that cat from the middle of Brazil. <laughs> he said it's his latitude and longitude coordinates. I was just like, oh man, that's that's some specific <laughs> stuff. So I was sorry to miss yeah. out on that, but uh, it's a great show. Uh, I, I especially want to just tell you how much I enjoyed uh, Charles and Eric talking Doctor Who. Uh, that was hilarious. That was great stuff. <laughs> Uh, really fun content, <laughs> yeah. gentlemen. So thanks, thanks for jumping in and wreaking havoc on that. That was great. <laughs> Very entertaining to listen to. I I try to pick stories that I think you that are ang- that are angled to you guys specifically, so you'll enjoy your story. And I saw that one, and it screamed, screamed Eric and Charles. <laughs> Speaking of Eric and Charles, and dude, can I just ask real quickly? Are we? Is am I right? Next week we're talking about. Uh, season two, episode one of Stranger Worlds, right? Oh yeah, the broken circle, yeah, okay. which is on okay. Tonight. I just want to make yep. sure because I'm super. I really want to hear what everyone thinks, and I'm really interested to uh, dive in. That should be a lively discussion. <laughs> yep, that'll be next next Thursday, same bat time, hey. same bat channel. I also thank want to you. say thank you to Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. I'm glad we finally got to talk about that. Ben throwing that Doctor Who Star Trek conversation in there. It's like, man, I see a future episode sometime of a little discussion between the two. We can make that happen. We can make that happen. And thank you so much to Eric for taking time out of his busy schedule out of town and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much, and thanks for being patient with my sound issues. But I had so much fun, and Charles, I totally agree with you. Let's do a Doctor Who versus Star Trek show. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, definitely. We are live, and when we're live, we have these issues, but we always get through them. And even though, even though he showed up extremely late and forgot the donuts, thank you so much to our very own donut guy for hanging out with us the last couple of minutes. Thank you, Dave. Uh, you're welcome. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying just remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. Everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, friends. Have a great weekend. Let's see what's out there. Engage.